Hallelujah. Statistics show, whenever I say statistics show, I lose a couple people. <laughs> statistics show you have six seconds to catch somebody's attention. They, they've done research and they have found that you have six seconds to get somebody's attention. And when they have studied this, they have found out that a goldfish has a longer attention span than a human being. Can you imagine that? So this morning, I'm going to go a little beyond six seconds. Um, Kyle, could you come here? And Ryan, two strong young men. Can you guys, you're very strong, carefully just carry this over that way. Thank you. Hallelujah. I'm going to share something prophetically this morning. I, I shared a little bit last week, and I want to revisit last week, and then I want to give you some thoughts and some practical aspects about it. But I believe that God is going to let you, or he is opening the door for you to pursue and to recover that which you've lost. Some of you have lost hope. I'm here to tell you, God says that you will recover hope. Some of you have lost joy. I'm here to tell you that God is here to say that he wants you to go and to recover your joy. Some of you have lost your peace. I'm here to tell you that God is saying that he will want you to go and to recover your peace. And there's an aspect of this that actually involves action on our part. And I'll be honest with you, this can be a little scary. Because sometimes we're taught, no, let's just stand back. Let's just take it easy. Now, I want to say God fights our battles, but it also says fight the good fight of faith. So there's an aspect, a position, or a posture that you and I need to take in order to see things happen in our lives. Anytime now you can say amen. Amen. So last week I used the word pursue, and I believe this summer is going to be a summer of pursuing. Some of it is going to be you pursuing what was lost. Some of it is going to be you pursuing what God has for you. And some of it is God's pursuit of you. And as I shared last week, what I'm expecting and believing is when people come into church on a Sunday morning, visitors, they're going to come in here and they're going to be blown away by our pursuit of what God has for us. Too many times we settle for second best. We negotiate a settlement Instead of expecting what God has for us. You know what I mean? I've done it. I sit down and all of a sudden they put a piece of paper and, they, and it's, it's amazing, some, you know, the, 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 the tact. I've had people sit with a piece of paper and then just slide it across the table to me. Here's the offer. 
And I know that there's negotiation and I know that involves things in life. But what happens is sometimes we bring that into our spiritual life and we negotiate a spiritual settlement when God has already defeated the enemy. And we negotiate, well, I'll accept this in my life and I'll live with this in my life if I can have that. And I'm here to tell you that I believe God wants you to have all. When God created man, his original design and purpose was for you to excel, to have dominion, to rule, to reign. It was not for you to be stopped on and to get less than 100% of what he had for you. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, and we're going to get to it in a moment, but if you could turn now to Genesis 14. Today I'd like to shift your minds. I want to change your level of expectation. I want to change your aspect of thinking so that when you read the Word of God, you expect to see what happens in the Word of God happen in your life. We do it all the time. At least I do. I check how many fries I get when I go to McDonald's. And if they give me a small fry when I've asked for a large fry, it's like, you know what? I've actually gone back to McDonald's to get my large fry. Just, just ask my kids. They almost cringe when we get home and I open up the bag and I say, they're missing a fry. It's okay, Dad. I'll give you some of mine. It's okay, Dad. Don't worry about it. And, and I'm here to tell you, God has all for you. I'm also here to tell you that what you accept, you live with. Some of us, myself included, have accepted less than what God has for me, and I am living in that area. Because I have not appropriated, I have not applied the word of God and said, no, he says this about me, and he says all of this. So you, whatever you accept, you end up living with. Parents, an example, if you allow your children to talk back to you, you will live with a child that talks back to you. Very simple. Another thing I'd like to say, I'm a sports guy. And they say defense wins championships. I'd like to smash that. I don't believe that. I believe offense wins championships because you've got to score more. So you've got to score. You've got to win more. But what we've done is we have taken our lives and we have lived to the lowest common denominator. So I'm a little worked up this morning. I haven't even gotten to the Word of God, and I'm already, my heart's pounding. But you and I are warriors. You're not wimps. You serve the king. And so 
I'm hoping to stir up your minds. I'm hoping to cause you to see things you've never seen before. And I'm asking God to stir something up inside of you, to pull you, to drag you, to go further than you've ever gone before, to pursue harder than you've ever pursued before, and to expect more than you've ever expected more. Why? Because his word says it, and I believe it. Genesis 14. Charlene read the last half of that passage, but I want to read a few verses from there, and then I've got one other passage I want to go to. I used Genesis 14 last week. And what I want to do is I want us to see some aspects of pursuit. Genesis 14, verse, starting in verse 12, and I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. If Cora puts it up, it might be a little different. And this is talking about Abram's nephew, Lot. And they took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions, and went their way. And he was raided. The enemy took and stole and defeated and took away Lot. And then one of the people had escaped, and he came and he told Abram, the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and of Aner, they were allies of Abram. And when Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men born in his house, 318 of them, and he went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and he defeated them and pursued them to Haba, north of Damascus. And then he brought back all possessions. Can you say that? He brought back all the possessions. He didn't bring back a few. He brought back all. These little words have a huge meaning. Don't settle for less than what God has spoken to you. Become tenacious in going after what God has for you. If his word says it, if he spoke it, then I'm going to believe it and I'm going to go for it. And you say, well, isn't that a scary branch to go on? That's the branch that he lives and that's the branch that he supplies and I'd rather stand on that branch than any other branch. And Abram recovered all. And he brought back all the possessions, and he also brought back his kinsmen lot with his possessions and the women and the people. If you could turn with me now to 1 Samuel. I want to lay a little bit of a scriptural background, and then I want to take a few moments, and I want to talk about pursuing your enemy. In 1 Samuel 30... I'm just going to read a few verses out of here, verses 1 to 3, and then I'm going to jump to a few verses. Now, when David and his men came to Ziglag, which is where they were living, on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziglag. They had overcome Ziglag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. This is the setting of David 
And what's interesting to find out is Ziglag was actually a city that the Philistines gave David to be in. He had killed Goliath the Philistine, and through the course of time, he actually came back to the Philistines and said, listen, can I hide out here? Because if I hide in, in the, the land of the Philistines, I'm outside of the nation of Israel, and they're not going to chase me. And the guy says, yeah, you can have this area. So David and his men, about 600 of them, and their families go to this place and they take over this community called Siglag. And David, from there, David would go and raid areas and conquer areas, and then he'd come back. And so David had come back to Siglag, and what he had done was done to him. Down to verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Have you ever been so distressed from what's happened in life that you almost feel like you're turning bitter? It was rough. The response here I want you to see is even in that rough condition and in that situation, David's response was he strengthened himself in the Lord. No matter what situation happened, your mode of operation, your MO, needs to be strengthening yourself in the Lord. Well, I just lost my job. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. My wife and I are arguing, and she has made suggestions, or he has made suggestions. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. My career is not going the way it thought it should. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. This was supposed to happen, and it hasn't happened. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. I went out and I did all this, and when I came back, my house and everything was ruined, and all my expectations and my future was gone. What is your MO? Strengthen yourself in the Lord. I've been around this game for a little while. Now that I'm over 50, I can say that. I've been around this game for a little while. I've been in church all my life. Can I be honest with you? I have seen Christian after Christian after Christian go through hard time, and I've seen them leave the church, lose their faith, lose their hope, and they don't come. And then what happens is they beat themselves up because they feel unworthy, they feel like they're a hypocrite, they feel like... In those situations, if I can encourage you at all, it's in those moments where you've lost something that you need to come into the house of God. Just as Pastor Sean was sharing in communion this morning, Jesus knew what was going to happen, but he extends favor. He extends relationship. He extends even in those moments when he knows, you know what, the guys closest to me are going to be making a mess. I'm still going to go and extend out to them. Jesus will always extend out to you. 
And you and I as believers need to do that as well. David, he's lost his despair. He strengthened himself in the Lord. And then in verse 7, he goes to the priests and he says, you know, bring the ephod, which is an aspect of clothing. And so he, he brings the ephod. And David, in verse 8, inquires of the Lord, listen to this, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And God answers him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and shall rescue and shall surely rescue. There's some prophetic words in there. Pursue. Because you will rescue and you will get it back. And if you skip down to verse 18, David encounters the people, he finds the, the Amalekites. And it says in verse 18, David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great. Sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken, David brought back all. I want to build your faith to expect a recovery system with God that is all. A recovery system that is all. Not partial. Not 70%, not 90%, not 99%, 100%. In fact, I would suggest to you all and then some. Because when you study these verses and you study what happened in the battle, they would recover all, but they also seem to have extra spoils left over that they gave to others. In this situation, David had 600 guys. Two of them, 200 of them were so exhausted that they stayed back. 400 of them went. David and his mighty men took all the spoil, and they actually had enough to give to the 200 people that stayed back and watched the bags. So when you go into battle, don't just expect to get and recover back what you had. Expect to have some surplus. So when you go into battle, don't expect just to get back what you lost. Expect to get back surplus. I'll say it again. When you go into battle, don't just expect to get back what you lost. Expect to get surplus. Our God is a God of abundance. He's not a God of waste. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of more. He's a God of increase. He's a God of five loaves and two fish. See what I can do. He's a God that says, how much oil do you have? I've only got oil in this cruise and it's all gone. Bring back all the pots that you can get from your friends and neighbors and fill them up. And if you read that story, the lady filled them all up and she sold it. And when she sold it, she had enough to live on and for, for the rest of her life. Not just to supply and take care of the creditors, but to continue on. We serve a God of more. But for some reason, we've accepted less than what he has for us. I'm here to tell you, 
He's got more for you. So I want to give you some practical aspects of what you need to do in order to recover what was lost and stolen. The first thing you need to do is identify what was lost. Do you know what was lost? If you don't know what was lost, how do you know what you're going to go after? Somebody sent me a question this week. It was, an, a brilliant, it was a brilliant question, and it caused me to think. And they said, can you give me some thoughts of the how to pursue and to recover? And so I started to think about it. The first thing I thought of is, Abram, he knew exactly what he was going after. David knew exactly what he was going after. What are you going after? And some of you might not have something to go after. That's fine because I don't believe every situation we have to be in recovery because when you see this, also what happens is you get into surplus. But there's some of you here today that you've lost hope. You've lost relationships. You've lost things. And I'm here to tell you prophetically that God wants you to go and to recover all. And if you get the notes from last week, I specifically stated we don't do this against other people. When I recover all, it's not I'm going with boxing gloves to fight somebody to take back something. It says in the Bible we don't fight against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual mindset and a spiritual thing that we fight against. If, if, if I can say it real simply, it's an attitude that we need to develop. Getting a spine. Us Canadians. Oh, we're the peace-loving country. We're conservative. We're sorry about everything. I get up to preach and I say, I'm sorry, I'm going to preach for a while. I mean, and what happens is we take our culture and our society and we bring that into our spiritual life. And I'm here to tell you, I'm a kingdom citizen before I'm a Canadian citizen. So my life is based on what the kingdom says and what the king says. And I don't say sorry and excuse me when I go after. Jesus, when he took the keys of death and hell, he didn't say, Satan, could you please give me those? Well, I'm sorry, but I'm here to get the... No, it says he destroyed the works of the evil one and he made a show of him openly. We are going to be the most radical Canadians in this planet. Why? Because I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm in the kingdom. And my king says, David, this is the way the culture of the kingdom operates. Go and recover all. And what's amazing is we have sometimes even made it, well, we can't talk about the enemy. Now, I'm not here to say I, the enemy doesn't need a whole lot of talk, but I'm here to tell you there is an enemy. There is an enemy. He's been defeated. He's under our feet because he's under my Savior's feet and I stand beside my Savior, so he's under our feet. But I'm also here to tell you that he wants you to recover all. Can you imagine how radical that is? So the first thing you need to do is you need to identify and articulate what was lost. 
What was lost? Know your target. Maybe it was joy. Maybe it was peace. Maybe it was some financial thing. Maybe it was rest. Maybe it was health. Maybe it was a relationship. And because of that lost relationship, now you've built a wall and you've been worried about extending yourself because the last time I did, I got hurt. That's no way to operate. So the first thing you need to do in the recovering of all is you need to understand and identify and articulate what was lost. The next thing that I see in these scriptures is you need to prepare to pursue. Abram had his army and he had, or his men, his, his servants, and he had trained them. Are you trained to pursue? Now, I'll give you a few thoughts in respect to this. From where Abram was by the oaks of Mamre to Dan, where it says he chased them to Dan, is approximately 125 miles. And he didn't have a Rolls Royce. He didn't have four wheels. He had sheep, lambs, cattle. He, he, he either had his feet or he had horse. But he didn't have no 120 horsepower or 700 horsepower vehicle that, that was an all-terrain vehicle that could go over. He, he did it the old-fashioned way. I mean, he did it old school before old school was even figured out. And he pursued the enemy 125 miles just to catch up to him. Don't give up in your pursuit to get what God has for you. Then he finds him at Dan, and it says that he actually chased them from Dan to a place that was north or beyond Damascus, and you find out that Dan to Damascus was another, uh, where is it, another 50 miles. So he's gone at least 175 miles without air conditioning, without a nice cushioned leather captain seat, without the radio blaring, without this and that. He's gone with his armed men, his people that he has trained in his house and he says we're going to recover this and he's gone 175 miles just to go and get it back and then he fights them and then he actually has to come back the 175 miles don't stop pursuing don't stop digging like Dave and Sam who dig a hole. One of my favorite books. Don't change course. When God sets you, you go after that thing that God has designed for you, given you, and you say, I've lost my joy, I've lost my peace, I'm going to go after it, and I'm going to go 125 miles, I'll go 175, I'll keep going till I get it. David and his men, he had been fighting and they were so exhausted, 200 of them, and these are mighty men of God who are warriors, 200 of them were so exhausted, they said, you know what, we can't go on. They weren't rested and prepared and said, oh yeah, we're all ready and let's go. There was 200 of them so exhausted. 
They said, we need to stay back because we're just exhausted. And he pushed on with the rest of his guys, and he recovered all. You'll never recover all if you don't give it your all. The level of your pursuit is the level of your capture. The level of your pursuit is the level of your recovery. And some of you say, well, I haven't recovered anything. Huh. Do you want me to do the math for you? Seriously. If you want to recover, you have to pursue. Prepare for the pursuit. You also see in this passage, you don't do it alone. You don't need everybody, but you need those that are covenant brothers and sisters. If you look in the book, of, and it talks about Abram, and the three guys, they were three guys that, were tra- uh, that he had a treaty with, and one of the books, one of the translations says they were covenant. When you go to battle, find those covenant brothers, covenant sisters. Don't find convenient ones. Find covenant ones. Because convenient just doesn't cut the mustard. Convenient is like a fair weather friend. That's not what you need when you're going to battle. You need somebody who's covenant. So you need to articulate. Know what you're going for. You need to prepare for the pursuit. You need to come up with a strategy to get your stuff back. Abram came and he divided his guys up. David, they caught this guy and they said, can you bring me down to show me where these guys are? Come up with a strategy. I'm going to give you some real practical thoughts here. To return your joy, what made you happy? And I'm using the word happy and joy. What made you smile before? Why did you lose your joy? This might sound just so simple, but get around people that make you laugh. Get my sermons. They're full of jokes. (laughs) I mean, just online for free. I don't even charge a tithe when you go in. And, and just download my sermons, listen to them, and you'll laugh because God moves when I speak, and it's just hilarious. Get around people who make you laugh. If you want your joy back, get around people that, don't make, get around people that make you like, <gasps> get around somebody that it's like, you know what, they make me laugh. And right now, I've lost my laughter. I've lost my joy. So you know what? I'm going to go around them. By the way, laughter is good medicine. And that is biblical. That's not Davidical. That's biblical. I'm going to tell you something here. Laughter decreases stress hormones. Laughter increases immune cells. Laughter increases infection-fighting antibodies. Laughter increases and improves your resistance to disease. Laughter triggers the release of endorphins, whatever they are, the body's natural feel-good 
chemicals. Endorphins promote an overall sense of well-being and can even temporarily relieve pain. That's what laughter can do to you. So by all means, get around somebody that makes you laugh. That is a practical way of getting back your joy. Make a list of what brings you joy. Where do you find true joy? Here's a spot. Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence, in your presence, in your presence is fullness of joy. Here's a strategy to get your joy back. Get in his presence. And if you don't think he's funny, it says that he actually had more fun or he was, had joy above his brothers. So God is a God of joy. And in his presence is fullness of joy. You've lost your joy, and you know what happens? Is you lose the presence of God. I'm going over time. Can I take two more minutes? Schedule joy. I'm trying to be practical here. Schedule times to laugh. Schedule times to laugh. Because you know what? They don't come naturally unless you're around somebody who's clumsy. First Chronicles 16, 27 says, Strength and joy are in his place. The most important place that you can find joy, and you can exchange the word joy with hope, peace, love, gentleness, the best place you find that is in his presence. That is one of the first places and the first strategy you need in order to get back something is to get into him. Get into his presence. One Sunday, and I'm waiting, I don't know which Sunday, but one Sunday, I'm expecting people just to break out laughing. Not because of me. Because even my dad jokes are lame. But one day, I'm, I've asked God for this, I'm expecting people who need joy just to start laughing hysterically. Because of what God has done. Because he's given you, it says, David says, return to me the joy of my salvation. <laughs> my salvation is joyful. I was going to hell. I use that word. I'm going to the pit. And he says, I've got everlasting Time with me. Joy. Let me see. God's into joy. Joy of my salvation. Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart does good like medicine. Get around people that are funny. The source of joy is God. And the last thing you do is you declare God's word over what was lost. Declare his word. That might even be the first thing you do. Declare his word. Get so into him that it just oozes out of you. That being said, very simply, if you don't know how to find out what the word says about something, Google it. 
That's the word of God this morning. God can use Google. Google, what does the Bible say about hope? I did that this morning, and it's like six pages, verse after verse. And don't get it with all the commentary. Just get the verse after verse after verse. If you don't know how to study the Bible, that's one of the simplest ways to do it. Can I just be practical? Google, what does the Bible say about joy? I got 12 pages or 10 pages of verse after verse after verse of joy. What does the Bible say about peace? Nine pages, verse after verse after verse. That's a real simple way of taking God's Word and starting to see what it says. Nine pages, what does God's Word say about healing the body? Verse after verse after verse. And then what you do is you just start reading those verses and you start declaring them and you just start speaking them. Get into God's Word. Amen? My time's up. The Holy Spirit's got something to do now. David's done, but the Holy Spirit's not. So here, who here needs some joy? If you need joy, stand up. If you need peace, stand up. If you need health, stand up. If you need a touch from God because something was stolen, I want you to stand up right now. Pastor Nelson came to me early in the beginning of the service, and he just felt an unction yesterday from God for healing. So if you need something, just stand up. If you say, you know what, something was taken from me unlawfully that was an enjoyment or was good for me, and it's taken away, I want you to stand up. And then I'm just going to ask God to do something amazing. Put your hand on your heart yourself. David encouraged himself in the Lord. So we're going to do just some practical. You're just going to speak God's word. Say, God, give me back and then tell him what you've lost. God, give me back joy. God, give me back health. God, give me back peace. Give me back relationship. Give me back a will to live. Give me back a smile. Give me back humor. Give me back finances. Just speak to him right now. Just, I'll give you 30 seconds just to tell him what you have lost. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now I want you to continue with your hand on your heart. He's your king. He's bought you. So say, Lord, I'm going to follow your word. And I'm going to see what your word says about joy, about health, about healing, whatever it is. I'm going to see what your word says. And I'm committing myself to following what your word says. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine on you. May he bless you when you go in, and may he bless you when you go out. May his blessings overtake you. May you have a blessed week this week. Amen. Do me a favor. Hug somebody. Greet somebody. Somebody maybe that you haven't talked to in the past and just say, God bless you and may you recover all.